welcome back to episode 41 of the Motorific Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. We are so happy you are here with us. And I am Joanne Dawn, and um, I am, of course, here with my lovely co-host, Christy Farrell. Hello. And this week we're going to bring you a kind of an abbreviated podcast. We're going to cover just a couple of events that we went to this week or that we were paying attention to this week. A gear review, a product review, um, and maybe just a couple of industry updates to share what's going on in the motorcycle industry. So, Christy, why don't you dive in about this event that you went to last night? Sure. Um, Basically, yesterday, well, actually the whole weekend, um, Saturday I was at Willow Springs. uh, Walt. uh, Watching my friend Sarah race. Um, yes, and Walt. Finally <laughs> found Walt. Um, believe it or not, in the smallest paddock ever, he mm-hmm. was impossible to find. Mm-hmm. And a photo that he later posted showed his bike inside one of the uh, concrete block garages. And oh. so that was probably why. Because everyone else is out in the open, and those garages oh. are usually like covered by some car or other support vehicles, and so you can't see inside. So that probably explains why I was running all over the place going, Oh my god, where is he? Because I saw him start. And then I lost him. And I kept looking for him. I'm like, oh my god, something happened. Nope, he was totally fine. Clutch problem. So, uh, got to see Walt, nonetheless, in leathers. So now I've <laughs> seen him in in standard t-shirt and jeans wear. I've seen him in a suit and tie, like you have, yep. which is apparently rare. And I've also seen him in track leathers. So, um, I, that's, you know, an impressive feat for the lovely Walt, who... Uh, who with uh, Nancy own Street Masters. It's a, a group that we've talked about before in the past um, for for street training and, uh, and additional skills building. And um, so I watched those guys watch the Triumph Thruxton Cup with uh, Sarah on a lovely uh, custom Triumph and met some great people there. And the wind was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that there was an actual little banner thing on my phone that morning that said wind advisory. And... I looked at that as a, Christy, don't ride. And so I drove. And while driving, I think it is the, the mm. only time that it, that I, since I've owned this car that I've ever felt wind actually move the car while I'm driving. So if you can imagine, <laughs> if it's moving a near one-ton vehicle, how I would be in a ditch crying myself to God knows what oh. uh, if I tried to ride out there. Nah. And yeah, and not only that. The, the wind was terribly affecting these guys, you know, riding 60, 70 miles an hour on vintage bikes. So I can't even imagine, like, kudos to you if you're racing at Willow this weekend, because there is no way in hell I would have the stones to be able to make that happen in any lifetime. Racing in wind? No, no. I, I barely can ride in it. So... Hey, if I can Saturday, ride, if I can ride in the wind, into the wind on a half-fared bike, you could totally do it on a GM. Into the wind, yes, but we're talking ninety degree cross. Or, yeah, yeah, thank you. Cross that's one. pretty much how it was for me too. Ugh, yeah, <laughs> it no sucks. Thanks. It sucks. It just takes time. Yeah, it does, and it helps um, if you have a shoe berth. <laughs> By the way, sure. Yeah, so you don't actually have the audio freak out. So it's just like you know my own internal thoughts, and not like the wind going. So so Saturday was uh, was good fun, and then um, Sunday I watched the Superbike Shootout in Fontana. Uh, saw a couple of folks, and that was 
pretty neat just to be on kind of a totally different level two days of the week after going to AMA and, and pro events and having this kind of be a mixture of pro and amateur. Um, so I ran into Owen, who works at uh, Riverside BMW, and, and he said, hey, we're having this uh, dinner and this speaker tonight, uh, you know, crew chief from one of the, you know, World Superbike or, or GP teams, you should hang around. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Sure, why not? So basically what this was last night is um, I don't know if they were expecting people to like tweet stuff. I think it was all just kind of an in-house, no press, you know, kind Mm. of uh, consumer thing. But I'm sure it doesn't matter because no one's going to say anything to consumers that they wouldn't say anything that was going to get out. But basically, um, I think the crux of the event is that it's called RR Fest, which is after the S1000RR. And it is now kind of a group or or a thing that they're going to have where they sponsor or have track days for their existing client base, BMW riders, but also extend it outside so you can, you know, rent an RR. And so they have a track day where they literally ship one of their engineers from Munich who designed the RR and have uh, the factory riders, the test riders like Nate Kern, who was actually there last night as well, um, come out to this track day so that you can ride an S1000RR and have the benefit of having all of the tech explained to you. Hmm. So apparently these guys went over to one of the guys at at Superbike Shootout since they were there all day and talked to him about, hey, do you, you know, want any tips or advice? I mean, hey, this is the guy that designed the bike. And he's like, sure. And he actually had his fastest track time. Um, after, because there's so much tech on this, on this bike, as is with any, you know, super bike. So that was kind of interesting. And they had a quick spiel about, you know, um, why we pulled out and why we're not actually, uh, gone from racing. And I'm looking at this pyramid that they have, that they talk about various levels of OEM factory sponsorship. (laughs) And I'm just laughing myself silly because, uh, Really, what they're now marketing is, hey, we've pulled out of sponsoring full sponsorship of factory riders, and now we support privateers to some extent who have purchased Mm. our bike with the kind of tech and race parts. And I was like, yeah, um, just sponsor someone in the factory team. Come on, guys. That was like the kind of depressing part um, is watching them Mm. kind of try to explain the fact that you know, hey, we're not gone. We're still here. I mean, great. It's supportive. You should do that anyway. But um, it's kind of sad to to see that their bike is used in so many different events. Not not to mention the S1000R, but the HP2. And and um, anyway, so so another interesting question because there was apparently a lot of downtime before dinner was ready. They opened the floor to questions, and mm. so this one kid asked, "How come you guys don't have a leader a leader bike or like a 600cc uh, sport bike?" as opposed to the 1,000cc that you don't offer a smaller size. And the kid's like 10, so it's awesome. <laughs> and uh, basically, this guy described it as, you know, the believe it or not, the S1000R with all its different tech, you can tool it down to um, something where someone who is less experienced can ride it. So there's like a, for lack of a better term, because it's 7 o'clock this morning for me, there's like a brain-dead mode <laughs> on there. The, sure, the like new a road, rider. Like a road never been, mode. Yeah. That's usually never rude. been on here before. And hmm. uh, and so that was an interesting uh, interesting concept. And, and I think they had said just there's 
we've built this bike so that you don't need to go out and, you know, manufacture a, a smaller bike. So it's a big surprise to anybody. It's all about money. But then they still had some time to fill. So I raise my hand, me, me. And he invites me to come up in front. I'm like, no way, sir. I can totally project across this room. (laughs) It's just like, holy crap, she's loud. And I basically ask, hey, so you guys were reportedly working on a sub 650 CC model that was other than a race bike. And you had paired up with some folks in India. What is the status on that? Because it actually affects the project I'm working on. So it was convenient that they just, you know, open the floor to this kind of stuff. And believe it or not, as far as me asking questions like, you know, hey, KTM, what about the single cylinder 390? When's that coming? These guys actually seemed like they were telling me the truth. So it was kind of nice. Hmm. Um, yes, that is the work in progress. Um, we are still quite a, a couple years out. So I imagine they don't even have a prototype at this point. And hmm. it's something like a 150, 250, 350 cc. So there are going to be three models. Nice. That are really sub six fifty. Like I was thinking, like five hundred. But, yeah, but um, India has so many more people sure. buying bikes. So sure, and and sense. they're not committed totally on the size of the engine. He just kind of gave like a ballpark of what they're looking into, and and basically said that that's you know what they're going to be after. And it's obviously not going to be like a sport bike. It'll be a different you know genre motorcycling. But nonetheless, I thought that was a decent answer, but certainly not the answer I was looking for. So. That was kind of cool, and that was probably the the coolest part of the evening, apart from Nate Kern, who was a BMW factory rider, who was there, and he actually teaches. I think he's got his own course out in Atlanta. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen someone and looked and said, God, where do I know that person? And someone tells you who it is, and you're like, no, I don't. I don't follow racing, so I don't know where I know this guy from, but his face is so familiar, and I just, yeah, I'm at a complete loss. So I, I don't know what my connection to Nate Kern is, but his face is so familiar. I'm like, there's no way in hell I know this guy from any industry level. So anyway, the conundrum. Um, apart from the two events that I saw this weekend, we, of course, have uh, many other things that were going on in motorcycling on an international level. Um, the Bull d'Or, uh, the Femme Endurance race that was in mm. France, Um occasionally I would have some insomnia and wake up in the middle of the night and check to see what the stats of the Penn's 13 team is. Cause as you know, American Jason Pridmore was on that team and those guys actually had a really great run. Um, they were in the top five towards the end when it really matters. Cause we're talking about 24 hours of continuous riding. And I think the team was three people, three guys, three riders um, who continually take shifts getting on the bike and uh, in the last couple hours, uh, one of their riders crashed and literally destroyed the front end of this motorcycle. And there's a picture um, that I could probably steal from Instagram that shows uh, the mechanics working on this bike. So they went from 5th to like 17th. Mm-hmm. And in that time, it was like 20 or 30 laps that they lost. But the mechanics actually rebuilt this entire bike in the garage. And they were able to at least go out and finish So that was uh, quite impressive. And they ended up finishing 14th overall. So Hmm. figure, you know, you went from 5 to 17 or 20 and then bounced back up to 14. After your mechanics completely rebuilt the motorcycle in the garage, which I don't think is, you know, what they're really planning on doing over the weekend when they have one of these races. So I'd say overall... um, 
pretty impressive for for everyone. Also, Supercross over on your neck of the woods. There was also Bryant. Supercross GP on TV too. There really? was FIM Motocross GP also. I was watching a little bit of that on Sunday, I think. So it was like I didn't. I guess I've never caught any motocross GP. It was pretty cool. I mean, like all I don't know there was a GP in motocross. Yeah, it's Supercross GP, I guess, or Motocross hmm. GP, and yeah, it was all international riders, um, all the major factories, KTM, Honda, Cowie, that sort of thing, but it was all outside, it was really cool, so they're like, you know, it's an outdoor track, not indoor, um, I only caught a few minutes of it, but that was on too, so big weekend of Yeah, so Supercross... Racing. Ryan Villapoto made history because he claimed his fourth consecutive title. Mm. Um, so that was a big winner this weekend. And uh, I did not follow the results of Superbike and Assen, or SN. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I apologize. Um, so that was another event that was going on in addition to GP. So, spoiler alert, Joanne already knows who won because, come no, on. I don't. I didn't finish watching <laughs> I'm just I'm, guessing. Well, yeah. Using well, my you guessed, psychic you, you guessed correct. So that guy won. <laughs> of course he won. And then uh, maybe, you know, a little more of a surprise were second and third podium. We won't discuss the results just so I don't kill Joanne's um, fun and watching it. I will. But nonetheless, totally new course. Totally new course. And uh, and that certain gentleman that won is now tied with, I think, the record, which is um, wow. you, you poll and you win. So the last three events, he has pulled and won. Nice. And I think that's a tie with someone from, I don't know how long ago this racer that holds that record has it. So mm. come, uh, what's the next race? I don't know what's next. On the Something circuit. in the UK, I think, is the next location. Donington Park? Oh, maybe. Mm. Um, so if he does that again, he'll have a new record in, uh, in GP. Nice. As if he didn't already set one last year. Promise to watch. I'll get cut up. Mm -hmm. Please do because I won't get a chance to do it because unless you have the pay per view or watch it live, you're pretty much host. Yeah, I'll I'll get cut up on our uh, Argentina today, and then yeah, I'll definitely watch next week. Um, I did love reading people's tweets though of the their, their description of going to the town. Oh, <laughs> because. The Termas uh, location is really in the middle of nowhere. Oh. Outside of Tucumán, which is a, a pretty decent city, but um, some of the race teams were, were tweeting that they were going through these areas where it was just desolate and there were chickens running on the road <laughs> and it looked like extreme <laughs> poverty. Oh. And, and I'm thinking, extreme poverty? Not, I mean, not exactly. Sure, extreme poverty relative to like Europeans and Americans how we live, but right. it, you know, if being that I traveled all over South America, I kind of got used to what I was seeing. So if something stood out, it's like extreme, you know, poverty. It was probably locations in Peru, not so much Argentina. But it was just interesting getting someone else's perspective because I did ride through that area. Um, so I am kind of familiar, and actually the, the most epic uh, crossing of the um, the Andes was somewhere in there uh, for me because I entered on one side, ran out of gas at the very top of the mountains, <laughs> or at least and was really close. Filled up a Chevron on, at the top. I was on fumes, and, and I looked down and said, oh, shit, 
um, hmm, new writer. How do we do this? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this. When I was a kid, you run out of gas, you go in neutral. Because <laughs> neutral sure. doesn't use as much gas. Yep. So I, I will, at some point, try to find a, a little bit of a zoom in. I'll probably pull it off of Google Earth, just so you guys know. But there is just an epic section of switchbacks that is north of where the stadium is. You wrote that in is. neutral? <laughs> oh, my God. Makes me cry. Makes me sad. <laughs> it was, what do you think? I'm supposed to burn a corner? Oh, my God. It's too bad. Lost opportunity. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't lost opportunity. Keep in mind, I am maybe just now reaching a point where I can hit a corner and not cry on the inside right. of my Right. It's head. a lost opportunity. <laughs> Bummer. Oh, yeah, so the kinds of, and this is a really tight, like, it, it's like the, the switchbacks in one of the Utah, um, oh. yeah, it's like really tight corner switchbacks. It's not like a gentle flowing corner. It's that's literally like a zag. Yeah, yeah, that's, so, that's a switchback. Yep. Yeah. Pin. And um, <laughs> so much fun. Oh, so much fun. very frightening. And, uh, and I had a ton of trucks behind me, if I remember correctly, because this is like some sort of crazy high elevation road where oh. you started like, ooh, uh, I won't even guess on a, on a height. But I'm somewhere above, I think, 10,000 feet. Jeez. And I just coasted, for the most part, all the way down and uh, hit the bottom. And then I could either go left or I could go right. Sorry, I hit the desk. And uh, I went right and managed to, you know, as I'm literally, the bike is dying, pull up to this one pump gas station that nice. has a lock on it. And it's like a gas station pump from like the 40s <laughs> that is still operating in Argentina. And I'm panicking because I think, oh, my God, this is the only station I can make it to. And it's shut. And then I see this guy sitting on a chair and I'm like, oh. Gasolina, I gasolina, and he's like, "Oh, yep, yep." Coast brings the key, turns it, it on, nice. And I'm literally like jumping up and down, so excited. Didn't like, have a I'm little water like, bottle with your extra gas, a little bit gas. You know, I did for a lot of points, but for some reason, I guess I didn't think I was going to run short on gas. There, were, mm. yeah, there's some planning error in there, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless. Um, so I hope that those guys had a little fun in Argentina. I understand that the actual community that the that the race um, that the race uh, course was in mm-hmm. had a ton of people. So I'm I'm hoping that the turnout was really strong down there because um, I hear like I think it was Valley went to a restaurant. It was just bombarded by a throng of people when he left. So that's always good to hear. I'm sure he's bombarded by people no matter where he goes. I mean, he could be in the middle of the <laughs> desert and there would be a crowd following him and waiting for him. Not a whole lot of people bombarding him in Austin, I'll say. Well, Texas is different. Texas is like its own planet, so I totally get that. Well, anywhere in the U.S. might be its own (laughs) planet. Maybe less indie. I, I, you know, I shouldn't shouldn't say since I've never been indie. The throngs are certainly heavy in in uh, Laguna Seca. Well, they were anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna miss that venue. I'm glad I got to go my five times. (laughs) Glad I got it all in there. Got my corner working in i spoke once it was good oh, camped did the camping did the whole, yeah got to do the whole gp thing at least while it was there yeah. maybe it'll come back who knows Superbike. i'm i'm on par for that this year it's like the second week in july oh nice yeah Superbike. it's just Superbike sounds really fun also but gp is gp you sure know, of course different but um yeah i don't think i'll make it out for that but um 
Yeah, we'll definitely have to get caught up for next week. Yes. Uh, what else? Uh, I wrote a very late, um, long overdue review. If you want to check that out on my blog um, for the Kriga Universal Tailpack System. And it's a system that was, I think, really first intended for people on their street legal dirt bikes, like their KTM 500 EXE that they're traveling or they're on a 690 um, and they're enduro and they're you know, riding across the country or they're riding across Egypt or they're on some whirlwind journey on a minimally fared motorcycle that does not have any place for you to hook, uh, either hook a bungee or hook your, your tail bag under your body work. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you, so, you know, if you're on your standard sport bike, you know that you can typically put a tail bag on your seat and then you put two hooks from the tail bag on your rear passenger um, mounts on the rear passenger pegs and then you should have two hooks somewhere else either under the fairing like on a ninja 250 or a ninja 500 you kind of come up with a method like a, especially monsters are really difficult um, especially first gen monsters there's just nothing there for you to put anything on so if you have a vehicle that is very difficult to mount any kind of bag to, then you really want to check out these Kriga packs because the only thing you need for mounting is a removable seat. As long as your seat is removable, that's all you need to lay your straps down and mount the baggage to. Everybody has a seat that's removable. It may not be easy as, as say mine where I got a key and it pops off, but if you can take your seat off, you can throw these bags on top and it's secure for a thousand miles longer than that. Probably waterproof made of Cordura, really rugged material, <clears throat> um, 10 year guarantee, I believe, if not a lifetime, I can't remember which one it is. Um, I might be confusing that with climb, um, <clears throat> but my favorite luggage system because there's nothing hanging over also if you have high mount exhaust pipes uh, not under tails but you know some bikes have a really high mount and your bags burn you're not going to have to worry about that for this either and that's why I really love it also because I can still pack 40 liters of crap um, in these bags and have a lot of space but I don't lose swerve clearance so that means I don't have stuff jutting out, um, you know, on either side to where I really have to swerve a lot harder to clear up, to clear things. So that's another bonus. And it's just, it looks really good, um, which is nice. And it's really simple. And I helped a customer this week on a Diavel, whatever, Diavel, however you say that. They're not thinking about somebody who's going to travel across the country on one of those. So they're not thinking about luggage options and racks and systems. And the Kriya packs really come in handy for that as well because they, it's just clean. It's easy. You can do the 40 liter setup. So the way the bags are designed is there's four sizes. There's five liter, 10 liter, 20, and 30. You start with a 20 or 30, depending how big your seat is. 
And if you look at my review or my photos, you'll see I have a 20 and I've got two 10s attached on either side. So it's like this one, it turns into this huge bag. The only thing about it that might be difficult for you is that there's no top access, like a tail bag where you unzip it in the t from the top, maybe to get stuff or your saddlebag where you unzip it, you know, on the top to access things. They're dry bags, so they roll up and they're, they're clip closed. But it's a very minor inconvenience, I think, compared to all the benefits. So when you have a second, go check out my review. We'll post a link to it. I think you're really going to love it. It's a really, really, really cool system that's modular, and you can pretty much do it, set it up however you like. On that topic of um, universal bags, you actually gave me a good idea. Um, when I go out to Overland Expo in a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. um, since I'm taking the BMW, and since there are tons of people who offer also, may maybe even Krika's going to be out there. Um, I would think they'd be there. Yeah. They have to. So, so brilliant idea. Take my BMW and play dress up so she can wear all these different universal bags. Like, hey, this is demonstrating how you put it on this BMW. This is demonstrating this bag and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, oh, she would love it. Play dress up. With who? <laughs> Are you going to do that for somebody? No, I'm just saying I'll oh. do it for just, you know, the benefit of uh, folks listening. So all, this is all the different universal oh. packs that you can put on your motorcycle. Hey, I'm going to ask, I'm going to tweet to Michael and see if he's going to be there. Are you cool. going? I'm sure he is. He's in New Orleans. I'm like, that's so close. Um. And, uh, and actually, while you're doing that, I think it's a benefit to have a seat that, that has a key. Because that means yeah. that thing doesn't just lift off. That there's some degree of kind of protection so yeah. that your bag system doesn't just get picked up right out. Oh, definitely. And the really, and the thing about, you know, the Kriegas are soft. So, you know, they're not secure like a hard bag, but I traveled, you know, I did like 1400 miles or whatever, 1200 miles on a three or three day weekend, God, which was terrible. My ass was killing me the whole time. Um, mm. So no, it wasn't locked down. However, the system is pretty, it looks so weird. I think that most people, they have no idea what to how to take it off or how to take it because it's all kind of the straps are inner kind of in between the bags and it's it is easy to get on and off don't get me wrong once you know how the system works but to the regular person who has no idea what this system is it's not as straightforward as your typical tail bag that you just unstrap unhook and leave because you have to unhook it from the seat so it's not as easy I think to just get up and walk away nor is it as easy to rifle through your things but I was with a group of friends and we were all traveling together and I think when you travel in packs like that people avoid you you know trying to steal stuff um, but I I didn't really worry about it because we you know we're always parking like right out front and you know my stuff is right there and we're not leaving our things overnight in in a strange neighborhood so it's just True. like the day part where you're going to eat and stop. But I don't know. I think people look at motorcyclists like, oh, it's so cool. And I, I don't know. It's just kind of the furthest thing from my mind, I guess, that someone's going to steal my stuff, even though it's happened. Sure. Once, That's, but. It's never the furthest from my mind. But I can tell you that it, 
even though I'm constantly paranoid about someone taking something, that paranoia kind of disappears when I'm at a huge motorcycle event. Yeah, um, yeah, case, yeah. Case in point, case in point, Daytona, because I, I never have anywhere to put my helmet because I have a full face helmet. And usually if someone's going to make a side case or a bag, it'll fit a half face, but it'll never fit the full. Um, so I actually, when I was at Daytona, put it... Yeah, but, you know, we're talking cruiser here, but, um, you know, usually the side cases are, are just, just enough to fit, like, a half helmet. Yeah. So I put it inside my bell, like the bag that it comes in when you buy it, and I put put my gloves inside the helmet, and then I closed the, the little um, pull tie, and I literally wrapped it a couple of times around the exhaust pipe so that the, the helmet is literally flush against the bike. Hmm. Left it there whole weekend, no problem. Hmm. Because, uh, as someone pointed out, it is also a no-helmet state. So if you don't actually have to own a helmet, why would someone steal yours off your motorcycle? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there are exceptions to that rule. But I did find that in most states where they didn't have helmet laws, I kind of felt a little bit safer. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Knowing. Huh. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, we've talked about other um, Overland type events where, you know, you can pretty much leave the keys in your bike and... Not a whole lot's going to happen because it's birds of a feather. I mean, you're all there for the same cause, and you all enjoy things. And the mm -hmm. last thing you want to do is disrupt the uh, the happy mojo that everyone at one of these events has. So yeah, I left my key on my bike. One time I left my huh. uh, wedding rings on <gasps> my scooter. I think it was when I first had a scooter because I was uh, locking. I know, right? I was locking my bike, the scooter up, and I might have taken them off to like put lotion on or something. I came back like 20 minutes. They're still there. Wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what you and guys didn't see right now is my jaw on same the floor. With, uh, <laughs> same with the key. I left a bike key in there, and I've come back like 30, more, 40 minutes, hour later. It's still there. I don't know if wow. it's because, yeah, I don't know, just maybe just really lucky, or my bikes are never desirable. Nobody wants to steal them. Because I'm sure if I, I had it. <laughs> I don't think SVs are high on the steel list. So I think if I had an R1 or a GSX-R750, then yes, I think I would maybe have been more vulnerable. But my bikes, no one ever wants it. Um, but, you know, that's what insurance is for. Anyway, when do you have True. a second? When do you have a second? They would... They wouldn't cover the, the wedding ring, though. Leaving, leaving that on your motorcycle and walking away, or even leaving your key in the ignition, you might have some difficult parts arguing. Maybe. You know, it's what You wouldn't be completely is. forthcoming about the uh, <laughs> details involving your theft. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that might be. But, um, no, I, I mean, that, that happened a really long time ago, so. Um, True. But, uh, yeah, and, I don't know, I've just gotten really lucky and... Maybe I'm just gullible that people are nice and that they don't want to hurt you. Um, but, you know, I'm also, you know, I also, tra when I travel, I travel m a lot of times with people and, you know, we do things together and we're also going to really fun places and we're not, you know, we're, we try to be smart as we travel in a, in a pack as well. Um, but I haven't mm -hmm. done any solo traveling, like just like really long, over more than a few hundred miles by myself. So, I, I'm sure I'd have a very different experience if I did cross country alone. I'm sure I would do things a little bit certainly differently, and um, I don't know. But um, I hope to have some to do some traveling this summer. Maybe some like weekends. I really want to go down to the Blue Ridge Parkway. I hear the riding there is really cool. And uh, I was looking at a customer's address, um, just trying to verify where the, for shipping something to them. 
and on Google, and they live in the middle, right in the middle of this forest in Virginia. What was it called? It has a really long name. And But he's right in the middle of all, I saw all these roads around him in the forest there, and it just looked awesome. There were all these cool roads, and he's right in the middle of it. My God. So I can try to get down there. First, sir, can I come deliver this package to you on my motorcycle? No, no, I'm just looking for destinations, but somebody has to buy a motorcycle first, also. So, is it the George Washington National Forest? No, it's like some other long name, um, Monongahela. That one, yeah, Yeah. thank you. Sorry, (laughs) first time ever seeing that word in my lifetime, (laughs) me too. But yeah, if you look in that forest and you look on Google Map where it actually has the name of the forest. And you just zoom out, yeah. there's all these incredible roads. And I can just tell they look awesome. So eh, wherever there's mountains, there's always really fun roads. But um, <clears throat> if you live in the greater um, Pennsylvania area or New York-ish, um, not all the way upstate, but, um, you know, maybe a th- two to 300 mile radius of, of Philly. And you've got some suggestions for day trips or really good technical riding, uh, please uh, send me an email and I would love to know where these roads are. Um, people keep telling me they're there and I, I'm sure they are. I just don't know where. So if you have ideas, please let me know. I would love to ride them. Again, I love technical riding, so I'm a fan of lots of twisties, a lot of switchbacks, preferably with elevation change. That is the most fun when your switchback is going from like downhill to uphill it's just so much fun so all that stuff i'm a huge fan even if it's a little goaty i don't need a perfectly paved road for that either so um send me your suggestions i'm dying to find out um you know there are not any twisties that i can see but you know what would be a fun trip for you is going out to atlantic city how hmm. cool would that be that's not too far. No. I mean, it, it certainly sounds like a fun going up, place to hang out. Going up the coast on the Nine. Sure. That could be a cool ride. Yeah. Um, just haven't, yeah, haven't really had time to go out and do much riding exploration since we just started to get regular weather. It's like we just started True. to get 60s and 70s. Um, but now it's like spring, so there's actually rain. Now we're getting rain. Even though it's warm, it's not cold and rainy, which is actually really nice. Nice change. That, um, yeah, I just haven't. And someone doesn't have a bike. Someone else doesn't have a motorcycle yet either. So kind of want to ride. Well, you can leave them at home. It's okay. I can, but I would Someone's like Someone's got to watch Benny. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I would like for him to come with me. But, yeah, I just haven't, um, haven't really gotten the chance yet. So. No, there's definitely a lot of places I want to go check out. Like, I keep hearing about the Poconos, which is New York. I hear that's really great. And I, I hear what is you ride north um, towards New York and on the kind of lower half of New York, there's some great riding. So I just need someone to tell me. I don't I don't know that there's a passionate.com for this side of the country. You know, passionate but- but there is a the but West. there is a pace motorcycle podcast for that side of the country. Those True. guys would be able to dial you into pretty much anything. I mean, they meet I, usually. They don't live in the same state, so they end up meeting like halfway point somewhere. I would hope so. So, James, if you're listening, I would love some suggestions. Um, we'll probably need to hit you up, but uh, 
but I would I would hope there'd be there's some online resource like Passionate where you can look on the map. It's a giant Google map, and there's a boatload of routes pinpointed, and you click on them, and up comes a review and a ride route with photos that show you, hey, here's a really good route to take, and here's where you stop to eat. Um, I I don't know. I haven't really Googled much to see if there's something like that. If you know something like that, please let me know. I would love to see it. And if not, someone please start a website because there's a lot of writers out here and I'm sure they'd love to know where to go. And um, Can Evan ride the SV? Yeah, he doesn't want to. <laughs> but I mean comfortably. N um, yeah, but he doesn't want to. Why not? Because <laughs> he hates it. <laughs> really? He doesn't like riding that bike. Hates it that much? Yeah, um. it's just not very, it's not that it's not comfortable, but he just doesn't like the he doesn't like the, the feedback on that bike. It's also only a 650. He's used to his 955 cc's of triple power. Um, mm -hmm. And so he's not willing to go down back. I wouldn't. I mean, if I were on a leader bike this whole time, I wouldn't want to go back down to a 650 either. I mean, sure. But my desire to get two wheels on the pavement after a long time of not riding would probably supersede any kind of. Uh... Yeah, but he's not like us. Um, in that sense, <laughs> not, yeah. And two up on that bike is not an option. It's not going to no, happen. No, I wasn't even going to suggest it's it. Not going to happen. Um, but yeah, no, he knows he could if he wanted to, but he doesn't like that bike. So I, you know, I don't, I don't blame him. I, some bikes that he likes that I wouldn't want to ride. So sure. yeah, whatever. I don't feel sorry for him. He's, you know, he, <laughs> he can ride whatever he wants and he's, he's eyeing a bike now. So he just, he's just trying to find one that's a good deal and is the color he wants and is in our budget so he'll have something soon not a big deal but if i have to go out solo i will no worries do but, it uh, yeah but yeah i, I uh, want i want the first east coast long ride report i do too yeah i probably actually that may maybe next week someone's gone for a whole week again someone's traveling oh, right now oh but, yeah uh, yeah but there's always the benny factor i need a dog sitter so uh it's someone who can look after him on a Sunday and Monday, since those are my days off. Mm -hmm. We'll see. I'll figure it out. Figure I don't know. Out. Your pad's pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone wants to come house sit for... Yeah. If there is, yeah, if strange there is someone people, out there... Yeah, anyone that, that I don't has... really know that wants to come to my <laughs> no, home. I'm just saying your friends. Uh, of the people that you currently know in Philly, um, yeah, if, any of, if any of them live outside the city or if any of them have tons of roommates, I mean, this is how I get house sitters. I say, hey, yeah. man, 10 minutes to Hollywood. If you're yeah. living somewhere out in the middle no. of the IE, come stay at my house. And that pretty much it's, does it. Uh, I've got a cottage. Yeah, it's, it's on my list. Parking. Yeah. yeah. No, it's I mean, no. Totally on my list. I will, uh, yeah, we'll find, we'll figure something. That's how my, that's how yeah. my plants get watered is I just offer a vacation home for the weekend, for a long weekend. And people come out, they water my plants, yep. they eat my food and they do whatever. And I don't yep. really care because I have a body in my house and, uh, my yard is finally turning green. The only so. thing is parking. That would be my the needs are covered. Thing here is you have to have a, a you have to have a permit to park outside overnight. You mm -hmm. can park for a few hours, but if we're on a bike trip, that means my car's in my garage and you can't use sure. it. So anyway, I'll figure something out. But um, yeah. speaking of my dog, I need to let take somebody out for a long little hike. Well, then I would say the the last and final thing that we can mention mm -hmm. is the uh, the dealer news grouping of uh, women in the industry. Oh yes, 
Um, I guess they first did it back in 2011 and were quiet, dark for like three years, and they've just now brought it back in 2014, which is um, probably not like the most awesome name, but given the fact that it's hard to come up with really catchy phrases, um, I'm going to let them pass on this. Women Who Roll is the the name of their list, and um, it basically celebrates the most influential women in the power sports industry. Um, So... Previously, in 2011, I actually could take a look at that list as well while we're talking. But um, on 2014 list, how cool is it that, that we know, or at least I know, at least two of the people on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a few. Yeah. Our, our very own that we talk about frequently, Jessica Prokop, who owns Yellow Devil uh, Gear, as well as uh, Sarah, Sarah Schubert. So, uh, Sarah Schubert. I, that's what I call her. It's Sarah Moto on Twitter, and Sarah Shilk, I think, is how you pronounce her last name. Mm-hmm. But uh, I call her Sarah Schuberth just because it kind of rolls off the tongue really well. But, um, yeah, so I posted that, I believe, uh, last week on our uh, Facebook page for Motor Quick Podcast. And uh, we'll also post uh, that link in our show notes as well. But um, just really cool that, uh, you know, we're, we're in a position that we are where we can actually have contact with awesome ladies in the industry and you know actually more on that list than i do yeah someday we got to get on that list we'll we'll figure it out yeah Um. so yeah jan was actually listed in 2011 as they Mm. they actually had titles in 2011 if you looked at this list um it was it was like a well, I'll just read it because my words are escaping me. It's 7 o'clock for me. Um, the Visionary, Jan Plessner. Do you have a link to that? Yeah. Are you on the Are you on the 2014 uh, list? No, I'm not on the 2014, okay. but I thought... Well, let me give you a I quick... Was, because they referenced it at the bottom. I thought I was on the old one. Oh, there, well, well, I was on some list that I they put looked. out. I haven't looked at it yet. I don't remember what it was called. There's um, that for you are not on this list. No, I'm not on this one. But there was another one they put out a few years ago, and it was somewhat related. It, it could was... totally be you, though. the The topic on this one was Gearhead, the Gearhead. 2011. That was one of the people, the Passionista, Genevieve Schmidt. Plenty of spots that we could squeeze into on there if they still have some sort of uh, title to fill. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe look at the 2011 one. Am I on? I I just remember that it was. A really long list yeah you need to find that because if you were on a list i would totally post the link on our media page if you've never wandered over to our website and checked out all the different pages we do have a little section that i call media just because i didn't really know what else to call it and those are kind of links that uh, independent and together were mentioned on the interwebs and our websites oh, and articles. i was on the more women who roll Interesting. So they made... The women who didn't make the top ten. <laughs> yeah, this is... Yeah, I think... Yeah, because they broke this down to women in retail, women in aftermarket. Sarah's on that. Women uh-huh. in media, and I'm in the media. Um, women in industry, women in racing. Yeah, this is actually a much... That, that was a longer one. Here, we'll post that too. So it was yeah. a follow-up to the 2011 one of 
more women who roll. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I... The... Oh, Jessica was mentioned before. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. Um, but yeah. Oh, and Nicole's on here, too. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, so a bunch of people um, were on that list. I, I just totally forgot about it because it was a few years ago. But anyway, oh, yeah. I think that brings us to a close for 41. Yeah, I heard the very subtle... Uh... And shake in the background where i can hear his oh. tags rattle <laughs> yeah someone's antsy um cough cough mom yes. time to go pee but uh yeah someone has to go outside <laughs> uh we thank you thank you for joining us again for 41 as always we love to hear from you so post on the facebook page at the motorific podcast right the is it the um on facebook on yeah facebook. um it's not just motorific it's the motorific podcast um or, you know, you can always tweet us on Twitter. Actually, yeah. It's Motorific Podcast on Facebook. Okay, so there's Facebook.com no the. slash Motorific Podcast. There we go. No I, knew, the. I knew it was one of the two. Yeah. Um, but we could, we're always happy to tweet with you. And we're on Instagram. You know, we're on our blog. So lots of ways to reach us. Email everything. We'd love to hear from you. And I want to hear about those roads. So <laughs> tell me yes. where to ride. I would like to know about that, too. Please give some some direction to Joanne on where she can take her brand new to her motorcycle and get out yeah. so she can come back and tell us all about this amazing amount of riding she where did. To, tell me where to ride. And um, and I love to go ride with you. So, you know, that's that's always fun, too, um, if you're not crazy. So <laughs> I <laughs> thank you again. We will come back to you next week. I'm not going anywhere as far as I know. And so we should bring you a timely 42. Thanks again. We'll see you then. Bye.